This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Hello. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Lots coming up on the show today. <laughs> What's going on with you, Ryan? Nothing. I'm having a meltdown. Oh. Having a meltdown. You know when tech issues just like screw um, everything up mm-hmm. and it's just like you need it to work like right now? Yeah. I need it to work right now and everything's going to bleep. But you almost died. We're having say, a productive breathe, day. Breathe through it. I'll screw you. <laughs> What what did you what, you all, you have a big story to tell me? Oh, sure, I'm almost a big, died. I almost died. Everyone, listen what? up. Uh, so tell me how I, shocked you are. <laughs> I was taking a bath and then I took a shower and I have a glass door, right? Okay, a glass shower door. Well, I just opened it to get out and literally heard a pop. The entire part of the glass shattered onto me on into That's the bath. Happened to me before. Really? Yeah, it's happened to me in my last apartment, and they they almost wanted to charge me to replace it because they must have thought I was having wild sex, but they don't know my love life, so clearly that wasn't the case. Wait, so did you get hurt or anything? Were you bleeding? No, 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 no. That, it just it just popped up, and you know you just got to be careful. Once it pops, it's just like. But like, was it every? Because it literally, it was literally everywhere. It was the worst. Was everywhere inside the bath where I was? So I was surrounded by all these like the glass parts, and I was totally Were you naked. Stuck? Yeah, and so I just screamed. Luckily, my door was unlocked, my bathroom door. I just I screamed, and my for your roommate came in. Thankfully, he there saw was a you towel. naked. No, no, there was a towel there. I said, "I'm not naked. I just put on a towel. Please come in here." And so he came in. And he's like, "Holy crap! I had blood coming oh. down my feet." You also it did like it's... yeah, it hit me. Thankfully, there were little marks. That, like I could have been much worse. And then he just brought me out. Like he held my hand to walk out of the bath and put like towel on the floor where the other glass was. It wow. was scary. So it just what you sure you didn't do anything? It felt like I was like how I've used this shower. I haven't done anything differently for the past year. I did think so. I did a prayer to detach or like let go of emotions that weren't mine and all that. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, uh-huh. right before I ended my shower, I said, I let go of emotions that aren't mine. Like I, I release any bad vibes that aren't mine. And then that's when it broke. <laughs> As the evil spirits left my body. <laughs> I and you know, don't you feel the good vibes today? That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, let's talk about what's coming up. I mean, I'm happy you're okay. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully you had a band-aid nearby. Um, thank, yeah, 
Thankfully, they weren't that bad. But at Shira Lazar is where you can see all the Instagram story. I documented it and everything. Uh, But coming up, we're talking about the future of LGBTQ education. Plus, in the tea in a moment with Ryan... J-Lo is speaking out about her new romance with Ben Affleck. Oh, yes, she is. She is doing that. And she's not happy that it was bought up, by the way. But first, let's just do one What's Turning This Hour headline. Dr. Fauci and Senator Rand Paul got into it during a hearing after Paul accused Fauci of lying to Congress about gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab in China. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress... Do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain-of-function. What was, let me finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. You're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Okay, you get one person. Let's read from the NIH. Yeah, that was the line that went viral. You do not know what you're talking about, Rand Paul. Come on. That's what you were snapping at me for? I was like, turn my mic on. I wanted to say I wanted to react. Let's move on to the (laughs) tea report. Why are we moving on? What if I wanted to say something? What do you have to say? I think it's hilarious that Dr. Fauci is having all this energy. I know Senator Rand Paul is absolutely annoying. I mean, of course he is. Like, that's why Kentucky voted him in, whatever, because also Kentucky's annoying. But here's the thing. I needed this energy when he was at the top of the top before hundreds of thousands of people died from this thing. Where's all that neck rolling, sis? What black woman taught you how to neck roll like that? Felt like a snap was coming. I saw his eyes roll many times during the Trump era. I said neck roll. Oh, oh that's neck level. He was like <laughs> neck roll. I've never seen Fauci's neck move. And that way I said, what drag queen taught you how to do that, sis? Oh. All I'm saying is... I, it's so annoying to see, and I think it needs to be said, that all of this energy is coming out where he's getting frustrated and sick of it when we are like hundreds of thousands, 600,000 people in U- the United States alone have died. I don't know if that's Fauci's problem. He's been saying it all along. No, he hasn't. But my thing is, when Donald Trump was denying all of these things, when we've had the all the entire Republican Party, it's just like once Donald Trump got out of office and the administration switched, it was like, oh, he's now being this super, you know, blunt doctor. Where was that when he was in office? He was. He was also being told not to go in the press and all that and being, you know, limited and restricted. He's not being as much so right now. He had... I don't know why we're making excuses for him because he's had multiple... He had multiple changes to give those type of, like, that type of energy at any moment. He just has having to deal with it more because he's being questioned in Congress now. So we're seeing these... He was having to deal with it when he was on The View. Well, let us know what you think at LGT Shows. Is Fauci just only speaking out now or did you see it before? This Fauci energy. uh, The Fauci main character energy. They won't know if they didn't listen to the show, which you should. Yeah, we talked about main character energy and syndrome uh, yesterday. Check out our podcast. Let's go there on the Odyssey app. Uh, But coming up, could Amazon be the company that helps legalize weed federally? We'll tell you why and how that would happen next. 
So Amazon endorsed legal weed, but will it now fight to make it happen federally? Natalie Fertig is with us now, a federal cannabis policy reporter for Politico Pro. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. So we know Amazon doesn't necessarily get behind everything politically. Why was this something that they were pushing for originally? So the first thing that they did was that they announced they were going to stop drug testing. And what we know of that decision is that, um, you know, there's a worker shortage right now. Um, Amazon is trying to in- to hire more employees. And the more states that legalize cannabis, it's much more likely that they're going to be, um, you know, trying to hire workers who are going to test positive for cannabis use. Um, Amazon itself is headquartered in Washington state, which was one of the first states to legalize cannabis. So it's something that they've probably been dealing with for the last eight years in Washington state. And now that that's expanding, I mean, we have 18 states now that have um, legalized cannabis for adult use. That, that makes it a lot more complicated from a hiring standpoint. Um, past that, we aren't specifically exactly sure why Amazon is pushing for um, federal legalization. It could be that they're interested in getting into the um, you know cannabis marketplace. Uh, you know they they do deliver alcohol. Um, they could be looking for uh, you know kind of a, a good PR move, something to say, hey, look, you know, not only are we you know not going to be doing this to our workers anymore, but we're also kind of picking a a social justice or criminal justice issue to stand behind and get behind that's incredibly popular um, around the country. It's not incredibly controversial to get behind this issue. Um, There's a couple of different reasons it could be getting into it, and we don't have total clarity exactly on that yet. So that, that part remains to be seen. Yeah, for me, it, it it seems a little sketchy because it just feels like they could probably try to, you know, jump on board and make it easier for corporations if other big corporations kind of want to come on board. But I want to know, what are, like, industry groups and advocates who are, have been working on the MORE Act and making sure we kind of, uh, you know, there's a public policy kind of a surrounding marijuana in this way? What are they think, saying about the Amazon move of them kind of supporting this? Is it a good thing or a bad thing to them? I mean, everybody that I've talked to is sort of tentatively saying it's a good thing. Um, there is still not a lot of money in this space. I mean, you know, the, the cannabis industry is, I believe, about $20 billion. But compared to something like Amazon um, or some of the other large American corporations, that's kind of pennies. So uh, and the cannabis industry also, for some for some reason, which is not totally clear to me, has not been putting a lot of money into legalization efforts, either at the state or at the national level. I mean, the biggest contributor to New Jersey's ballot measure in November was nobody cannabis related. It was Scott's miracle Grow, which sells fertilizer to, you know, cannabis companies. But the, the idea of having more money to do things like having advertising campaigns in states where, you know, senators may be like, like, hey, this senator might be able to come around and support this bill. So let's run ads in their state, getting people to call them and talk to them and push for this to happen. That takes a lot of money. And that's money that something like Amazon could provide. So that's sort of where everyone is looking at this. There is definitely an underlying, but if they try to change the bill to make it corporate friendly, then we're going to have words. So it's sort of this other underlying tone where, where people are just waiting to see what happens with that side of things. Yeah. And, and when do you think we'll see that at this point? Well, we're, you know, we have a couple opportunities to find out, obviously we're going to keep reporting and talking to people. Um, 
different corporations have to put out their uh, lobbying funds every quarter. So we'll a couple months from now, we'll be able to see if Amazon actually puts money into lobbying for this. But we're going to keep reporting on it um, at Politico, keep talking to the people that said that they have had conversations with them. Um, they're, they, whatever, Wherever they put money, they're going to have to disclose it. So there will be a, you know, a, a paper saying it at some point. And when, when those papers come out, we will report that they've, right. they've come out. Really interesting stuff. Well, thanks so much for joining us. That was Natalie Fertig, a federal cannabis policy reporter for Politico Pro. Have a great rest yeah, of your day. Thanks. Amazon's like, let's make all this money so we can build another penis ship. (laughs) And then we could smoke while looking at that. Yes, smoking in weed, full circle moment. Coming up, California is putting money towards LGBTQ education. But what does that look like exactly? We'll tell you next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. California Governor Gavin Newsom approved a final state budget that includes $3 million for LGBTQ cultural competency. Competency. Oh, my lordy. I can barely. Competency. Competency. Yeah, we're going to work on that. (laughs) And training for public school teachers. (laughs) And it makes the state the first in the country to allocate funding in this specific way, according to Equality California. And Samuel Garrett Pate, communications director at Equality California, joins us now to dive in. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We love some Equality California. We do. (laughs) So I know you all have been fighting for this for a while, and this got vetoed actually by Governor Brown in 2018. So how big of a decision is this now? Well, it's definitely a big deal. And it, uh, you know, is wonderful to have such a supportive governor in Governor Newsom, who, um, you know, from day one has made this a priority for him and his administration, recognizing the fact that, you know, For a lot of LGBTQ plus kids who are bullied in school or who don't have a supportive uh, adult in the home that they can go to when they they have issues in their life, whether it's um, bullying or or mental health issues, um, you know, a teacher is really 
the next person they turned to, right? I mean, for all of us who grew up LGBTQ, we certainly had teachers we didn't like, um, but we, many of us had teachers who we could go to and, and felt like they were sort of safe and supportive adults. We know that teachers want to be that resource for their students who are struggling, um, but we, we got to give them the tools and the training that they need in order to be supportive. Um, and so that's what this recognizes. Uh, this recognizes that public school teachers can be that intervention in an LGBTQ kid's life who's struggling with bullying or mental health issues or, or whatever it may be. Um, we just got to give them the tools to do so. Well, break that down even further, because one, I want to know what this training actually, when when you're saying that word, are you training them on pronouns? Like, what exactly does that mean? Because oftentimes we've, we've, we've had conversations here on the show where even when it comes to sexual education, we're not even touching on all types of sex, which can be very, you know, troubling. So how does that kind of play into this idea of like training and the cultural competency that we're, we're talking about here? Sure. Well, for sex education in California under a different law, um, they are required to, to teach about um, LGBTQ people and, and the types of sex that LGBTQ people have, right? That has to be part of comprehensive sex education here in California. That is not true in many other states, uh, which is an issue, but but certainly here in California it is. Um, but this is specifically talking about training for the teachers themselves. Um, and so, yes, it, it'll include sort of basic LGBTQ 101, right? Um, what are pronouns? What are people, what, what's the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity? But it'll also include training on, okay, if you have an LGBTQ kid in your class who's struggling with this issue or that issue, how do you intervene in a way that is supportive, but is also culturally competent? And I know we throw that word, that term around a lot, right? Cultural competency. Um, it can be a mouthful sometimes, but really ultimately what it means is you're making sure that mm-hmm. caregivers or teachers or healthcare providers have the tools that they need to serve a certain community Um based on that community's unique needs. So we recognize that, I mean, for instance, right, four in 10 youth experiencing homelessness in California are LGBTQ. That is an issue that LGBTQ youth face more often than their non-LGBTQ peers, right? We know that LGBTQ people face bullying and harassment um, and suicide ideation at higher levels. So we need to make sure that teachers know how to support those students um, and, and this training is not just going to be done by a bunch of bureaucrats, right? The way that the funding was allocated is it's given to the California Department of Education to work with nonprofits like Equality California, but like L- various LGBT centers and others, work with the LGBTQ community to develop this training um, so that it is comprehensive and it is giving teachers the tools that they need. Definitely. But how long can this last with three million, really, right, um, for an entire state? Well, and $3 million is just to develop the training, right? Okay. We are committed to getting the funding um, in the coming years to actually mandate the training and make sure that, uh, that, that teachers are going through the training. But right now, we have a few districts in the state that have come up with their own training, um, but we didn't have a standardized training for teachers all across the state. And so for especially districts that really need it, that don't have a lot of resources themselves, they didn't have the funding to just go out and create a training and the state didn't have something to offer them. So now it will be offered, right? The state will come up with this training curriculum um, and then any district that wants to use it to train their teachers can. 
And in the future, we hope to have uh, to, to get the funding, secure the funding with um, champions like Governor Newsom um, in office. We hope to get that funding to make sure that every teacher uh, in the state is trained. Definitely. What about at the federal level? Well, a lot of education happens at the state level. Yes, it would be great to have federal funding to do trainings, um, but it's hard to get that sort of mandate um, at the federal level. But yes, absolutely. At the federal level, that would be great. Um, it's hard to get anything done at the federal level right That's now. True. I'd love to have the Equality Act at the federal level. Yep. Um, but, <laughs> but certainly what we do here in California, we recognize can't just stop at our borders. Um, there are LGBTQ people living everywhere. And so we work with our state partners across the country, but also in Washington, D.C. to advocate for LGBTQ equality as well. That was Samuel Garrett Pate, Communications Director at Equality California. Thanks for being with us today for this. Thanks for having me. Coming up, what Jeff Bezos had to share about his experience in space, if you're wondering. That's next. Billionaire is going to space. Last week it was Richard Branson. This week, Jeff Bezos and his brother Mark, as well as Wally Funk and Oliver Damon, who reached space and returned safely on Blue Origin's new Shepard rocket. And here's what Bezos had to share about his experience and thanking everyone. I also I want to thank uh, every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer because you guys paid for all of this. So, seriously, for every Amazon customer out there and every Amazon employee, thank you from the bottom of my heart very much. Uh, it's very appreciated. Well, if I that was cuss, awkward. <laughs> if I could cuss. I mean, so already they were getting crap because it's like the world is falling apart and you're going to space. You're putting all your money towards that. With, By the way, space or exploration, I get it. It's important, but like, there's, it's also tone deaf a bit with everything happening a bit. Uh, and then add in this layer where it's like you haven't paid your taxes, employees aren't being treated fairly, you're against unions, and you're thanking people for paying for your, like, adventures in space? Come on. Um, Jeff Bezos could literally, oh. like, I don't know, he could KMA, to be quite honest, because it is disgusting that he thinks that's funny and he's yeah, joking it, about it. Yeah, that was weird. Um, my thing is... All of this exploration of space and all this newfound billionaires trying to build their own spaceships, they're putting ticket prices on these things. So let's just say our planet goes into like up in just like flames. They're still not going to save anyone because capitalism at the end of the day, if you can afford a spot to get on these spaceships to like, you know, go somewhere else or whatever the next different exploration is it's just my idea of this is like it's not turning into this accessibility thing it's turning into like a race of like who has the most money who can afford it and who can continue to you know fund you know jeff bezos his his i don't know his horny little hobby and then also it's you just said it they're paying uh one for the access to space which no one has and then they're gonna try to plant their flags there so they own like they want to own those planets right so bezos has his own planet maybe i don't think Ma- Musk has. we're not talking about evil villains here shira be- are you sure <laughs> i mean it feels I don't think you're like own it. a planet or or like i don't know branson uh i saw one of your tweets last week 
Uh, Thank you for quoting me. You know, quoted out of Slate. And how um, Branson was like, oh, on, you know, in space, we'll have all equal rights. And you're like, well, it's nice to know that I need to go to space for equal rights. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really heartwarming to know I'm so close to equal rights in space. Um, No, it's just, this whole thing doesn't make any sense. And I, I, I really do think we need to think about this because like you said, exploration, space exploration is really something that we need to focus on. I love, I love space exploration. Yeah. I think it's absolutely the coolest thing ever. But there's going to, capitalism is still going to capitalist, like capitalism. You know, at the so end of the day. So he obviously heard and at the, the end of the day, yeah, what? people are st- they're still putting prices on uh-huh. these tickets. They're still like saying, oh, a certain amount of people, if you can afford $200,000 a ticket to go, then guess what? You're safe. And I just think about how this always plays out in sci-fi movies where it's only certain people who are, up, you know, safe. And then it's other people who are on the ground dying because of everything going on. You have to be able to afford your life. Or there's like the Willy Wonka giveaway where it's like one special ticket and like everyone's vying for it and fighting and then it becomes like they watch all the rich people watch all the poor people fight for that one ticket and you know tear each other apart but at anyway what uh, movie was that i it could be a movie no I, I it was a movie some sort well no, when i said not really well, I was like the hunger, hunger games that's something what the like that that's was. what i'm talking about that's what the maze was but let's just say Divergent. because a lot of people were saying how he wasn't donating money he did announce when he landed the message must have gone to him with, during that those four minutes in space, and he announced the um, this uh, campaign. It's a hundred million dollars, the Courage and Civility Award, a philanthropic initiative where he awards these recip- uh, recipients money to go to their charities and nonprofits. He awarded rich people more money, <laughs> and he gave it to Van Jones and Chef Jose Andres. Van Jones obviously uh, fights for those incarcerated, has a nonprofit. Chef Jose Andres has given food and um, to third world countries and those with natural disasters. They're doing great work. Sis, he also said, yeah, you can either donate it to charity or do whatever you want with it. (laughs) He gave people options here. There wasn't like a clear line of like, this has to be for charity. Well, yeah, he's like, you basically are a cool human. So if it was me, I'm I'm pocketing at least 98 million. Of course. And the other 2 million... Have added charities. <laughs> Ryan has a lot of civility with the courage and civility. Are you award. kidding Taking me? 98 Are you kidding me? If, if if I'm living in a world that's going to be selfish about money, why can't I play into the game? Hey, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. I hate everyone. <laughs> Unless you're Jeff Bezos giving me a hundred million dollars, exactly. then I love you. How quickly you've fallen in love with him. Coming up, nursing homes have lost a battle for the transgender community. We'll tell you more next on what's trending this hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show today, how to deal with burnout by owning your irresponsibility. That's what I'm talking about. It's a little alternative to burnout. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, J-Lo shares more about her relationship with Ben Affleck. That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first... Let's talk about CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who responded to a question from Senator Roger Marshall during a Senate hearing over whether the National Institutes of Health funded controversial research that um, Rand Paul, who we talked about him and Fauci's thing, they claim could have contributed to the COVID-19 pandemic. One thing I just want to note with the children is um, I I think we fall into this um, flawed thinking of saying that only 400 of these 600,000 deaths 
from COVID-19 have been in children. Um, children are not supposed to die. And so 400 is, is a huge amount for a, for a, season, a respiratory season. Now, LGBTQ rights advocates said they're going to challenge an appeals court decision tossing out part of a California law designed to protect older transgender residents in nursing homes. The 2017 law is intended to protect against discrimination or mistreatment based on residents' sexual orientation or gender identity, and that includes repeatedly using anything other than residents' preferred names and pronouns. And finally, uh, this is big news. The federal government has announced that almost all health insurers must cover the HIV prevention pill known as PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis with no cost sharing, including for the drug itself. And crucially for clinic visits and lab tests. This means the entire experience of maintaining a prescription to Truvada or Descovy, is it called Descovy? Uh, the two approved forms of PrEP should now be totally free for almost all insured individuals. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. Let's talk all things J-Lo. Um, so J-Lo was on Good Morning... No, NBC today. It's basically the same thing. They're all talking about the same news. Let's be honest here. <laughs> um, but um, she was basically a very much on there today, on the Today Show. And here's the really interesting part about it. You know, we all know that her... Jennifer is... Is it Jennifer or is it Benifer? Benifer, the ship name. Yeah. They are together. They We've seen them kissing in public. We've seen them holding hands. We've seen them travel together. At this point, it's like we know y'all's business. Well, um, she is staying tight-lipped on her rekindled romance with Ben Affleck. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So she politely deflected questions about her love life during appearance on the Today Show. To promote the re-release of her song, Love Make the World Go Round, that she's doing with Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is interesting. I feel like we can't get rid of, rid of Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's just like, I don't know. He's just here He's to stay. omnipresent. He is omnipresent, for sure. Well, I don't know if I would go that far and say that. But he seems like he's everywhere. He is everywhere. But, I mean, omnipresent feels like you're saying he's God. No, it means omnipresent means you exist in all places. Isn't that God? Okay. That's <laughs> Okay, here's the moment that was really kind of awkward between her, uh, Jennifer, and Hoda. Every time I see a picture of you and Ben, I'm like, she looks happier. She looks happier. Are we happier? The song is out five years. Five years since we've done it. And I believe that that message of loving one another and coming together <laughs> and love is never more relevant than it is right now. Wait, it's me you're talking to, you know that? I know, you can call me. You have my number. Oh. Boom! Oh. I think it is, because she okay. just have answered the question instead of being all coy. You know, also makes it seem kind of rude. Like, you're on someone's show, you're in their home. Like, you could be like, well, you know, you can just call me. But what I'll say is they probably just told like Hoda my music, not to ask. blah, blah, blah. They it's... probably told Hoda not to ask. And Hoda was like, screw that. I'm asking. Don't anyway. do press when you're like publicly dating someone. Like, it's just so. I, I don't know. Maybe she's embarrassed of uh, Ben Affleck. Because my thing is, if she was as like excited and happy about this relationship. Maybe she wants it out of the public eye because that's her and what's his face were so in the public eye. Alex were in the public eye. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe she wants this to just be behind the scenes. But y'all are everywhere. We've seen you making out at like Nobu, like, you know, Malibu. 
Jenner's at first seems very smart and strategic. I feel like she has a whole plan with this and she doesn't want to divert from that plan like the exclusive in a magazine or something like Let that. Let me tell you this. No one cares. We've <laughs> seen there was hype around it before, but no one cares anymore. That's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. Next up, how to teach teens empathy and maybe some adults too. That's next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A new study reveals how teens learn empathy. And joining us right now is one of the researchers behind this, Dr. Jesse Stern, a postdoctoral research fellow of psychology at the University of Virginia. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Shira. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is a, a very important and fascinating topic. What did you discover was critical in developing empathy during this stage of life? Yeah, so we followed 184 adolescents from when they were early teens all the way into early adulthood when they were 18. And when they were 14 years old, we interviewed them about their family experiences and their relationships with their parents. And those interviews were tapping um, attachment security. In other words, how confident teens are that they have at least one adult who they can really depend on to be there for them, to have their back, especially in times of stress. And we found that that was the real ticket in predicting teens' empathy for their friends at ages 16, 17, and 18. But what was super interesting to me and kind of a surprise was that insecure teens, so teens who maybe didn't start off having those positive relationships at age 16, they started off with lower empathy, but they actually caught up quite a bit and were almost um, equal to their secure peers once they were 18 years old. So I think this study has a lot of hope in it, too. Interesting. Um, I, I, I do, I guess, when I looked, when I read over your article and kind of read more about your study, I, I do think, for me, just off the top line of the headline, is just like, well, of course, teenagers, if they have secure family relationships, they don't turn out to be like the worst. But, um, you know, because that just feels like that makes sense. But how do they pay it for when it comes to their friends? Like, what, what did they learn from their family that they were like, why well, should possibly implement this with, like, friendships around me? That's a great question. So what we know about kids' relationships with their parents is that it's not so much about what parents model toward other people as much as what parents actually uh, embody toward their kids. So mm. if, if your parent is modeling empathy toward your friends but can't understand what you are going through as a teenager, which is a really critical stage of development – when you want to feel not alone in your emotions, you maybe need some extra support um, for a parent to actually show that they 
have your back and show you empathy as a teenager, that is really powerful. And it's one of the predictors that research shows builds a secure parent-teen relationship. So part of what parents are doing is both supporting teens and kind of building autonomy, discovering who they are, but also providing what's called a secure base. In other words, somebody you can turn to in times of stress. And it seems to be that firsthand experience. So not just kind of like learning about empathy conceptually, like I'm going to talk you through how to be empathic or tell you that you should be empathic. It's more like I have received this firsthand experience of empathic care from my family of origin, and that's how I'm able to pay it forward. It's almost like you're learning a script for how to handle other people's stress because your stress has been held in, in relationship. I, I wonder for the, the, I wonder if it's uh, if it's more so on the parents. Like, what if the parents didn't learn that through their parents? Yeah. And so, if they're how not, does impl- that happen, how yeah. Do, yeah, how does that kind of impact if their parents didn't learn that and they're not impl- putting that into their kids and and so forth? Kind of the cycle of it all. Did y'all look at that? That is a great question. Oh wow, um, I'm we didn't doing really good, guys. A plus plus. Yes. I'm doing really good. I passed this test. <laughs> High fives all around. So not in this study, but tons of other studies have looked at the intergenerational transmission of secure relationships. So in other words, what does one generation's quality of care for their children mean for their children's quality of care for the next generation? And what we find is that parents who are secure in their attachment relationships that predicts with something like 80% accuracy how secure their kid is going to be with them, which is crazy to me that anything could be that strongly predictive. But here's what I'll say for for parents who might be listening is it's never too late to start a secure relationship with your teen. Um, If there's tension or a lot of conflict in your relationship, uh, maybe something like family therapy could be helpful or even just kind of noticing your own behavior and what what messages you're sending to your teen, for example, if you're a little bit critical. Um, and think about how, if you are in your teen's shoes, you can practice empathy as a skill, and it really is a skill that builds over time with practice. But if you put yourself in your teen's shoes, how would you want to be treated when you were 16 years old? And I think that can have a really powerful effect on relationships. They really so anytime, yeah, yeah anytime you know, people are feeling like, oh, this relationship is hopeless. It's really not. There's so much room for change. And we all have the capacity, I think, to build positive relationships in our lives. Oh, my God. Yeah. There needs to be like an empathy course. Build it like a muscle. (laughs) I think when you look at it that way, it gives actually people hope versus thinking like, okay, just because they haven't been taught that or learned that, that they can't gain it. Well, thank you so much for being with us. That was Dr. Jesse Stern, postdoctoral research fellow of psychology at University of Virginia. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Well, we are continuing, you know, psychology in a way. We're going to be talking about being burnt out and why being irresponsible might be the answer. Girl, I'm going to get my whole psychology degree after this show. Okay. Yep. That's next. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. One vice writer wrote a piece on her solution to burnout, and it involves being lazy. Yep, Maggie Lang joins us right now, a columnist and magazine writer for Vice, New York Magazine, GQ, and others. Thanks for joining us. 
Hi, how's it going? You know, good. We talk about burnout a lot. <laughs> this seems to be a hot topic. How did you come up with your own personal conclusion to this with What Works? Yeah, well, I guess I want to push back lightly on the, like, What Works, because I feel like I don't want it to be solving anything. I just want it to be, like, wildly indulgent. If that makes any sense. Like, I think that there is... Wait, real quick. Are you, are you on your headphones or your phone mic? I'm on my headphones. Yeah, I hate I them. Can you take them out? You hate my headphones? Yeah, right, they're not good for me. We're, we're, we're transferring in like three, two, Transitioning. Whatever. Icon. You're an icon. Live radio. This is what we do, folks. Okay. Oh, that's How better. Yes. yes. Continue to tell us about your non-solution. You have such a good radio voice. I'm trying to hear it in full effect, you know? <laughs> also, this is fun. As soon as I picked up my phone, I had to stand up and start pacing, which is like my oh, I preferred phone position. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I am back to 2004. Feeling good. Um, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. My, my feeling about like treating burnout as something to coddle so that we can get back to work drives like is, is not how I want to be treating myself. I guess I'm feeling particularly rebellious and I'm like, no, I don't want to treat anything as a problem to solve. I just want to go like full (laughs) indulgence. And really, I think it's more, I guess what I'm saying is I think it's more reactive rather than trying to solve a problem. It's really a, like a good bad attitude. Well, Maggie, I I do wonder because well, I don't know how old you are, but I I also think. Do you think age has to play into the that mentality of if of just being like, you know what, I want to give myself a little bit of a moment. No, let go of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm in my early 30s, and I I wonder. I have been wondering if it was age because I was like, I guess I've been a good student for like mm-hmm. 30 plus years. And I was like, oh, is that, uh, is that when the clock runs out? Like, <laughs> so maybe it's not age so much as like temporal exhaustion. Like too much time has passed. Right? We weren't supposed to live this long, right? <laughs> we were already <laughs> supposed to be dead, so we're somewhat dead. What does um, being irresponsible look like when you're working if you're trying to me- avoid burnout? Yeah, I think that that's a really, that's a good question. And so far for me, I've been pretty uh, all bark, no bite. So I have these like dreams of what irresponsible looks like. And for me, for me, it's truly like not, it's being like late to deadlines and not responding to emails and just like not like potentially not showing up to a meeting, which even speaking that sentence makes my little ambitious stomach like shrivel up um yeah i think it's really like uh it's being incredibly territorial of your time Mm. but not in a like beautiful fierce boundary way just like in a true truly careless like oh i forgot the date because i was like busy having fun yeah my thing is all these conversations about burnout kind of are annoying not to say like it's not real because it, it really is i i i talk to my therapist constantly about how i experience burnout but it's just like how do we get to a point where we are actually tackling the burnout of it all <laughs> versus like and actually you know making sure we're having more of a healthier lifestyle and maybe this is the way of doing it where you're kind of like letting some things drop off to the side and kind of stepping into your irresponsibility hat yeah i think that's i think 
I think what you're saying is like very wise and maybe I'll get there, which is that that if maybe I've reached this point that there are more practical solutions to uh to, to easing easing workload or all of the things that I'm trying to like, you know, th- I, I also, I like work. There's so many things in my life that I find really fulfilling. Yeah, for but sure. trying to maintain a certain pace is uh, maybe getting kind of grueling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, I you just that. said you nailed that, right? I yeah. think that a lot of people actually do love what they do. It gets overshadowed by your just... Uh, tiredness. That's the reason why your people get burned out <laughs> right? because I think oftentimes, especially if you love what you're doing, you're just like, well, I want to keep doing more and more and more and more and more. More at that pace that wasn't, you know, and I think that's where it goes back to being human, which goes back to what you're saying. It's not necessarily, is, is it being respon- irresponsible? Is it being lazy? Is it being a slacker? Or is it just saying like, I'm human. I am not a robot. I am not a machine and I refuse to feed into that because I feel like we're becoming <laughs> like that with everything we do. Yeah, yeah, like having everything really, um, really organized and on top of it, I think, like, uh, deci- deciding to be really, fl- like, flawed and, uh, and unresponsive. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe feels like a way to just, re- yeah, remind yourself that you're, uh, you're not like a, you're not a little bot, a little emailing bot. Exactly. You're not an AI. So finally, just what is the <laughs> what is the takeaway of why you wanted to share this? Huh. I should have um I should have a good answer to that. It was mostly I just had a conversation with my friend Sonia, and then I I uh, was like, oh, I kind of like I'm I'm thinking about this a lot, and it's becoming a principle of my life. And I sent it to my editor, and she was like, go on. Oh, so it was a little, it was like a little more instinctive. I don't think I felt prescriptive about it. Hmm. Um, like I don't felt I, I I didn't feel like I had wisdom, especially because I'm trying so hard to fulfill the slacker ambitions that I write about, but I feel like the very fact of me writing this and like meeting my deadlines and doing my emails with my editor is like the paradoxical confirmation that I did not, like a true bad student would not have written this. Like a true bad student would be like, I don't know, in the Mojave Desert, like. Well, I do do think that there is someone who would have written this in a way because I do think it has, there's an amount of privilege that you have to kind of exist in to be able to be like, I feel like being irresponsible because if you're like living in a world where you're like from a marginalized group and you're getting opportunities, you're like, there's no place or room for me to be irresponsible because this is the only chance I will get. And so I think that's something to kind of acknowledge in, in, in conversations in spaces like this because I do think that's also very valid but maggie thank you so much Mm. for joining yeah i I also appreciate that point and yes thank you both for having me well that was maggie lang you can check out her article feeling burned out try being irresponsible for once on vice.com coming up experts are warning that a recent tiktok trend involving toxic mother-in-laws could have consequences we're going to talk more about that next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. TikToks about narcissistic family members, you know, they go viral with skits, stories, advice. Specifically, people are talking about their narcissistic mother-in-laws, though. Uh, So there are so many crazy stories out there. We didn't even know which ones to play because there are so many. 
People have really toxic people in their life. Family members. It's wild. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get away from family as quick as possible. Uh, But some of these are actually bringing up different opinions. Because some people are like, F those mother-in-laws. Like, this is completely inappropriate, right? Like, Mm -hmm, you got to distance yourself. That's the only way to survive. And other people, um, and we're going to play this video because some folks called this one out saying like, is this mother-in-law that bad, really? So I just want to preface this video by saying that there is no way that you absolutely need to get a Christmas gift or need to give a Christmas gift. But my mother-in-law chooses to just repetitively do this type of behavior to my husband. Um, instead of just saying she can't afford a gift or that she's given more than enough this last year, she'll send a card and the card will say, you know, Merry Christmas, received a big blanket, 112.40 for Xfinity bill paid, 584.89 for electric bill, 697.29 and a gift. Merry Christmas. So basically she'll say, Hey, throughout the year, I've done things for you guys and You know, she did those things when we lost our job due to COVID, so that was really amazing. But she chooses to send a card basically reminding, hey, you don't get a gift because I did all these other things. When she literally could just, I don't know, not give us one or just wish us a Merry Christmas. So basically she's saying she's putting it in their face. So people are like, yeah, like that is rude to be giving and then you're holding it over someone's head. Others were saying, why is she paying your bills in the first place? Which she, She they were obvious. Uh, She might feel y'all are toxic for her supporting you and still expecting a gift. Toxic seems a bit much when she supported you in your hard times. And then, of course, family members are probably seeing this, which doesn't really help the solution. If you're using TikTok as a way to deal with things... Yeah, I don't understand that either. We talked about this last week where people were like quitting their job on TikToks and like, you know, you know, documenting all of their things. And it's just like, what's the point of putting all your business out there like that? I'm worried that we're creating a world that people can't just have, yeah, intimate conversations about what they're actually dealing with. They got to post it on TikTok to get validation instead of having like a healthy conversation with someone. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I feel like I understand it in the sense of like, if you are talking to someone who's probably going to gaslight you and, and manipulate the conversation, maybe you're posting it online to hear yeah. legitimate being like, am I crazy here? Um, but for the most part, it's just like, stop putting the internet because the internet, it doesn't go away. So once it's up there, even if you and your your mother-in-law made up, you called her toxic on the internet, it's going to be there yeah, forever. How, are you, how is someone supposed to have empathy and compassion and like you create a bridge when you're dragging them and throwing them uh, under the bus. Like, how is that looking for a solution? If I'm putting it on the internet, that means I don't want that relationship anymore Exactly. Like, I don't even want to, like, try to get to a better place. Well, let us know what you think about folks dragging their family members and then probably expecting to continue having a uh, relationship. At LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Uh, But coming up, we've got more of Let's Go There. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour and let's go there. What does safe sex look like in a post-pandemic world? No sex. Oh, well, and we've got those answers. And it's not really even a post-pandemic world because we're still in it because there's so many like deltas and lambdas. I mean. There's so many new variants. Yeah, that's true. That's Are we new- ever going to be in a post-pandemic world? I don't know. <sighs> 30 minutes we talk about safe sex. But a different type of safe sex right now. 
And is a Bieber baby on the way? Stick around for that news in the T Report in a moment. Any holes a go. But first, let's get into some much trending this hour. Twitter suspended Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene again last night after she shared information about COVID-19 that violated the company's misinformation policy. In a series of tweets posted on Sunday and Monday, Greene shared misleading information about coronavirus and vaccines. This is according to Twitter. She also claimed COVID-19 is not dangerous for people who are not obese or over the age of 65. Pretty much going up against everything that medical science says. And said uh, vaccine should not be required. As we know, uh, the Georgia Republican who has previously compared uh, mask mandates to the Holocaust was locked out of her account for 12 hours. Her account is accessible now in read-only mode. A Twitter spokesperson uh, told actually CBS News who reported about this. If she continues to spread this misinformation, well, she's going to be kicked off the social media platform permanently. And join her favorite person, Trump. She kind of deserves it. I hope she does. Representative AOC has created a Civilian Climate Corps Green Jobs Program. And here she is talking more about it. The climate crisis didn't even exist in the scale that it does that it does now in 1938. And we knew then the importance of, of caring for our land. Now today, today, we are talking about in both the Green New Deal and the Civilian Cli- Climate Conservation Corps, Climate Corps, that acknowledges... It acknowledges the fact that our climate crisis today requires a peaceful but wartime scale mobilization in order to combat the climate crisis. So it's not just about doing it. It's about doing it big. All right. She said it. I mean, we are there. Have you looked at the weather lately? The drought's happening. Come on. Actually, it's been beautiful where I live. Now I'm just Yeah, you're in a bubble. <laughs> Totally no climate <laughs> Who change I? happening. Who was there. I right there? I was doing an impersonation of Jeff Bezos. It's so beautiful in this in space. Yeah, no climate <laughs> issues in space. Six Polish swimmers have been sent home from the Tokyo Olympics after the country accidentally selected too many. How about that for an accident? Actually, really quick, what? do you think they? Because uh, have we started shooting trash into space? Oh, there is um, space trash, yes. So do you think it's that Jeff Bezos it, saw... It's like satellites and everything. Oh, uh, yeah. do you think Jeff Bezos saw the space trash? Maybe. It is, um, which that is an issue too, but he was only at a certain level in space. He didn't go oh, so deep. Okay, okay. Well, but imagine this. You get picked to go to the Olympics, and then they realize they sent too many people there. This Just Olympics is it. a mess. Cancel it. The Polish Swimming Federation, PZP, mistakenly sent 23 athletes to, to Japan... Instead of 17. And the group has since threatened legal action and have called for the head of the PZP to resign. Meanwhile, you have all, everyone, you know, who want to bring an assistant or a child. They had to fight the Tokyo Olympics for that. Now there's a U.S. athlete that is actually dropping out because they're not letting her bring her personal assistant with her. Becca Myers, a three-time Paralympic gold medalist uh, swimmer, withdrew from the Tokyo Games after being told she couldn't bring her personal care assistant to the competition. She says she's angry and disappointed. And disappointed. She's actually deaf and legally blind. Oh. She needs someone yeah. with her. Yeah. This is crazy. She does. We should not let countries, like, when they are pitching themselves, this should all be there. Why are we finding this out after people put in the work, get approved to go, spend their lives committed to this, and then, like, they they can't follow through because they're not being supported properly. This is crazy. 
Uh, well, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so tennis superstar Naomi Osaka um, dragged Megan Kelly, and I loved every second of it, as you know I would. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So let's chit chat about this. It all went down after a fellow conservative and Fox Sports radio host Clay Travis first reacted to Naomi's cover of her uh, swimsuit. Um, what, what's it? Uh, what's that? Sports Illustrated. Yeah. That's it. Um, covered by basically calling her a hypocrite. He said this, since she, since saying she's too introverted to talk to the media after tennis matches, um, Naomi Osaka has launched a reality show, a Barbie, and now is on the cover of the SI swimsuit issue, is what he tweeted, which, honestly, who asked this guy? And then Megan Kelly decided to hop onto the train and say, oh, let's not forget the cover of an interview in Vogue Japan and Time magazine. And so... Naomi saw this and was like so irritated and the the tweet is now deleted but here's what she said seeing as you're a journalist I would have assumed you would take the time to research what the lead times are for magazines if you did that you would have found out I shot all of my covers last year and then she added it um, you know at the end to do better Megan well you know Megan loved that she kept going on and on about it because Naomi blocked her which honestly I'm happy we have to all collectively just block Megan Kelly because we all deserve peace and so does mm-hmm. Naomi um, Megan shared a screenshot of the blocking saying, poor Naomi blocked me while taking a shot at me. Guess she's only tough on the courts. She's apparently arguing that she shot her many covers before Mm. publicly claiming she was too socially anxious to deal with press. Truth is, she just doesn't like questions she can't control. Admit it. What is wrong with her? Like, Megan Kelly is too old to be attacking someone half her age. Yeah, she's a bully. Like, it's called uh, also anxiety. Don't yeah. you have kids? By the way, anxiety happens when you can't deal with things outside of your control. That's like the basis of anxiety. It's not like, oh, fear of this. Like that. She is a human, okay? And she gets to choose how she wants to live her life. Yeah, I just, I'm, my thing is, like, she, she has kids. And I'm she's and not, she it's ever, not a good example. Is she ever going to be embarrassed by her actions? I, I don't think know. It's like when uh, Kellyanne Conway, even though her daughter is her own case, but like you see all Which these kids. Heard much about. You see all these kids like going up against their parents. Megan Kelly's, I feel like kids are going to do that. Being like, this is embarrassing. Like, get with it. Yeah. Stop being evil. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't know. It's just the worst. I, I hate that. Um, but that's your tea report. We got more stories coming up next hour. Vaccines are infiltrating our sex life. So how do we continue to satisfy our intimate lives during this COVID confusion? Stephanie Gerlich is back with us. A sex and relationships focused kink affirming therapist and author of the Leather Couch Clinical Practice with Kinky Clients. Thanks for being here again, as usual. Thank you so much for having me. You know we love having you. Well, I feel like we've talked about this before, but, you know, with COVID and the vaccine, I feel like we've, like, talked around it. I feel like it's creating some really interesting and unique intimate relational dynamics. What are you seeing out there right now? So what I'm seeing is people looking at vaccination as if it were a hall pass. And really starting to say, I got my shot, you know, I'm going back out into the world and I'm going to interact with people as if everything was over and done. And I wish that were the reality, but we're not quite there yet, folks. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm hearing people um, clash over vaccines. 
either on an app if they're dating, like, do you believe in the vaccine or not? Or when they meet each other, if they're anti-vax, like, it's also creating that separation. What questions do you think we should be um, asking our potential sexual partners? So I think it's crucial to ask if they're vaccinated. Not because we want to pick a fight or get into a philosophical argument around the nature of vaccination, but so that we can make an informed decision for ourselves. Because we are the only people that we can control. And if it's important to us that our partners be vaccinated, then we need to be comfortable asking that question. In the same way that two years ago, I would be saying we need to be comfortable asking about STI testing and, you know, our status in other areas. This is a new normal for us. And we need to get comfortable saying this is what my boundary is. And I'm comfortable asking the question, are you or aren't you? That's number one. Mm -hmm. Oh, are you going to go to number two? Oh, I totally am. (laughs) Number two is asking about the other people in their lives. Usually when we're talking about sex, we're only thinking about us and our partner. But especially because the idea of vaccination is so fraught right now, we want to make sure that we're making a safe and informed choice, not just for ourselves, but also to mitigate risk for others as much as we can. So we want to ask them, do they have kids? Are they living at home with older parents? Do they have a transplant or are they on medication that might make a vaccine less effective for them? Girl, I just want to have sex. Why am I asking the questionnaire? I just want to know, are you sexually out? Like all these things, like I think there's the questions you should most definitely ask your partner, but like, wow, that's starting to feel like a survey of some sorts. Like Like, too intimate. You know, it's a little bit more involved than it used to be. Absolutely. Do you think this is going to make people more comfortable about uh, talking about uh, other types of STD testing and everything. I know uh, we've talked about here in the studio how with uh, cis hetero couples or people in general, like talking about um, if you're tested, isn't people aren't as open. And so do you think with COVID, it's going to make people have those conversations or are they going to just be asking about vaccines? So I'm seeing two extremes of this. I think one, you're absolutely correct. People are becoming a lot more open because we've spent the last year and a half talking about health status in a public way that we never have had to do before. And that is carrying over into other health conversations. But then the flip side is that resistant piece that you're not going to tell me what to do. I just want to get laid piece where people are kind of pushing back on that whole idea of even having to think about this. And they are rebelling in a way against having to be thoughtful and intentional about this and just saying, I'm, I just want to get laid. Mm-hmm. And both of those I'm seeing in equal measure right now. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really interesting and, and important to talk about. I guess to wrap this all up, what are some ways that, you know, people, even though they still want to hook up, what are some ways that people can reduce the risk? So my clients laugh at me, but I'm going to stand behind it. Wear a mask when you're hooking up. It's okay to not that can be hot, maybe once. It can. I mean, I encourage blindfolds all the time. Why not just lower the fabric down a little bit? Like it's cool. We can do it. So we wear your mask. If you have privacy, try and be outdoors or in open air environments as much as possible. If you have a fenced backyard, that's great. Wow. And minimize your time together. This is an awesome time to master the quickie. Because the less time we spend together, the less likely we are to transmit viruses. So 
outdoor sex where you can, masks as much as you can, and hit it and quit it, baby. Just like keep it fast. Get yes. get in, get out, get on the road. So things That's are changing, fine. that is for sure. Stephanie Gerlich, thanks as always for being here. Don't you have a new book out? Coming out? I have a new book coming out next year, but it's not quite there yet. It is a sequel to The Leather Couch, and you two will be the first to know when it hits. All yes. right. Well, Stephanie is amazing. She's our go-to sex and relationships focused kink-affirming therapist. Thanks again for being here. Always, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Talk to you soon. Coming up, is tipping with food the same as money? What happened to this one delivery worker next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So we want to know if this is okay to tip someone this way. All right. This was all brought on through this video that's going viral filmed by a um, doorbell camera. Okay. So the video shows a Pizza Hut worker delivering a pizza to someone's house. The customer left a sign on their front door saying, no money for tip. Please take a slice of pizza. And you hear this guy after reading this being like, are you kidding me? And then he goes on to take a slice of pizza. pizza. Yeah, I mean. But um, is this acceptable tipping behavior? You know, as someone who is, um, you know, constantly poor at times, <laughs> I think, you know, when I order food for myself or some, like if I have like, uh, like my mom order food for me or if a friend orders food for me, I can't control if, you know, if I'm tipping or not. And so I think, you know, even though it sucks and you want to be able to tip, also sometimes you got to consider people's financial like moments. Like what if that was, they spent the money that all they had to get True. some food, especially a pizza because that can last you a few days. Girl, I'm telling you, poor multiple times in my life. Um, you just, sometimes you have to navigate certain these certain things. And I think we have to realize that we, we put so much like intensity on people's pockets where you just don't know what their situation is. Like just because they're ordering food doesn't mean they're like sitting on a, a ton crap load of money. I I agree. I mean, it does quote unquote suck for that person at the same time. Yeah. Have some compassion, empathy. You do not know what someone is going through, but I do think and that's default, why he gave him a piece of pizza. Well, that's it. But I think that's why we default to this like evil thing, like right away, like, Oh, F that person. They're probably just trying to screw me over. Right. Whereas yeah. instead of saying, wow, maybe this person is doing the most that they can and letting someone touch your pizza and take a piece. I mean, that's a lot. I get why you can be jaded. I used totally. to I used to be a server. I worked in a, a tip service kind of industry and it does suck when you get kind of like, like, oh my God, I'm working so hard and I'm I, you only gave me like $5 or $2. Like, it, that does suck, mm, yeah. you know? And so producer Vanessa was especially and in, in, um, she really had something to say about this. Very triggered by the story. I wouldn't say triggered. I'm not triggered. Yeah, Listen. When I lived in Miami last year, okay. I did Uber Eats, and I would do it for like five hours, and I would get hungry, but I would mm. not stop to get something to eat. Would you, I was dry, dude, would you eat people's french fries? No, I didn't do that, <laughs> I promise. But um, when I would drop off the food, I would... I would, like honestly, if someone is like, "Go ahead and take a pizza yeah. slice," I would be like, "Thank you, I'm starving." Yeah. Oh, because so this is maybe something I don't want to stop. If I stop, uh, if I spend money on some food, then I just wasted that money, money that yeah. I just made. Yeah. So I yeah. would be okay with a slice of pizza or a taco. Whatever. That's what I'm saying. I okay. Think, you know, because we've seen so many instances of like people being like complete 
butts when they're like writing on people's t- like on, you know on the receipts where they're like they're right in the little tip area like mm-hmm. a snarky little message or like they're just being well that's just you rude. know they're just being pe- like and so there's people like that but I think we have to look at this person who was like who decided to tip in pizza they wanted to do something it's something they at wanted least they to do tried something. you don't need to try I give people credit for trying. Because that is that makes a difference. It does make it's a difference. It's easy not to do anything, by the way. It is so much easier to not do anything if you can't versus yeah. take that extra step to do something. I understand that. Like, I, I really understand this person, but I also understand the the person who delivers because maybe that was their third time getting, you know, sniffed. I mean, everyone's struggling. I so sniffed. it's hard for... <laughs> so third time getting sniffed. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? <laughs> no, I meant like, you know. I get it. You know, Stiffed. Stiffed. Yeah. 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 Well, let us know what you think. Is this okay for a tip? Is this going to become the new norm? At LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Are you doing the sniffing? I'm doing a sniff test. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're having up the shows we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day. Yes, Queen. Margie's Closet is a thrift store that you need to hear more about. It opened on June 5th to help transgender, non-binary, and gender-expansive people buy clothing at an affordable cost. What a great idea. It's located in Ohio. It's the first thrift shop in the state designed to help the trans community by offering not just clothes but also emotional support. The store, founded by the organization Margie's Hope, sells an extensive list of clothing um, and even $5 pair of jeans. How about that? Uh, Jacob Nash, the co-founder of Margie's Hope and Margie's Closet, uh, said this, that the idea for the store came to him after listening to questions from individuals in the trans community. There was some conversation that they had some clothes that she wanted to donate to folks in the trans community and wanted to know if I knew of any place that served the community. Hmm. Then at the support group, a lot of people talked about shopping online because they felt uncomfortable in the stores and they sent a lot back. And so that's how it all started. So what a great idea. I hope more people implement this or someone does this. And I mean, I don't even know if L.A. has something like this. I mean, there's probably, probably things like yeah. this for sure. Or I would say in or other. Just even, not even just what? like stores. Like they're just like, you know, little places where, you know, people give out clothes or like yeah. you know, closets that are open at the LGBTQ plus centers and things like that. Like, I'm pretty sure there is. But this is amazing, especially because, you know, Ohio, that's not middle of America, but, you know, it's one of those places where you probably wouldn't see this or would even hear these conversations being had. And to know that there's a thrift shop that's kind of creating change in that way is so beautiful because that's important yeah so check them out margie's hope and margie's closet visit them in ohio and maybe you'll be inspired to bring something like this to a city that you're in and that does it for our yes queen of the day yes queen and also of course our show today we're here live for you weekdays on channel q2 to 6 p.m pacific 5 to 9 p.m eastern on tomorrow's show we're talking about how vaccine hesitancy is turning into vaccine hostility this stuff is getting intense. Plus, of course, we got the tea report every hour and what's trending this hour. So hang out with us live weekdays on Channel Q. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris where he's covering dating readiness and red flags. Mm. Ooh, that's next. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 